podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Boss Man, on today's pod, we are going to be talking about a place that we've spent a great deal of time in and have many fantastic memories of. You want to take a guess? I'm looking at the show notes. I don't really have to guess. <laughs> Thailand. Thailand. It's Thailand. It's, this is part of a series of episodes that we've been doing here at the pod that follows entrepreneurs to the places that they've made their full-time or temporary homes for part of the year. Anything specifically jump out to you about Thailand when you think about it? I have a lot, yeah. Probably number one, the food. I'm in London right now looking for a cheap meal. I'm like uh, <laughs> willing to do anything for a meal under like $10, you know? So yeah. Thailand definitely comes to uh, mind there, like a good, healthy, fresh meal for just a little bit of money. That's funny because I was in a New York City grocery the other day and I did the Thailand lunch math on my grocery bill. I was like, I could have 35 lunches <laughs> that were amazing <laughs> for what I just spent on stuff that I'm going to have to make and clean up myself. <laughs> That's the other thing here in London is like, I wouldn't revisit any of the places that I've eaten so far, which is interesting to me. Whereas wow. in Thailand, I'm like, I'm going to that lunch spot every single day the whole time I'm here. I loved it. Shots fired. And one of the other advantages to Thailand is people speak English there. I don't think you can say that about London. No, that's true. <laughs> All right. We got to get started before everybody flames us. In today's show, we are going to hear about two entrepreneurs who make Thailand and more specifically the northern capital of Chiang Mai their home bases for a portion of the year. So what you're going to hear today are just the views of two people that I know and respect and who are not, by the way, the Chiang Mai stereotype of the very young person who's an internet marketer or a coder who's just getting by on 500 bucks or a thousand bucks a month. So first up is Philip Bordeaux. In a little bit, Phil is going to share some interesting information about a visa he has acquired that allows him to be a bona fide resident of Thailand for up to six years at a time. But first, let's hear how Phil got started on the road to financial freedom with an e-commerce business called hammocuniverse.com. It's a Canadian business. I started it way back, way back when in like 2001, when the internet was like very different than what it is today. I kind of fell into it by accident in a way. I was looking for a hammock myself and couldn't really find one in the in in my city in Ottawa. I eventually looked online and found this these really good quality hammocks that were very cheap in price from Mexico. So I went to the Mexican consulate and just inquired about importing a bunch of hammocks and sort of selling them myself in my city. At the time my girlfriend was a web designer, so things just got rolling. We whipped up a website which was like front page design like really archaic. There was no back end to a website back then. It was completely different. And then I just I just started that business. Of course, I was working a regular job back then. And this was just seen like in my own head, it was just kind of like a hobby. It was just a fun thing to do. And it remained that way for many years. 
until the year I took on a business partner, which was much later, then things got serious. We decided, okay, let's make a go of this. We sort of want to work for ourselves. We want to be in business. And although we were both working nine to five jobs, we decided to apply ourselves and made a go of it. What is it that your business partner brought to the table that you hadn't seen in those first few years? He's the, how do I put this nicely? He's like an excellent administrator. So he's very good at things like accounting. He's very detail-oriented, which I'm not. I guess you could say I'm the creative force behind the business and ideas and innovation, whereas he's the, the stable numbers guy. So we've got very different personality types that way. Once you started working full-time on your own business, how did your life change? Oh, man, it got so much better right away. So we were working, essentially working in the same office. I was in, I was in the world of politics before being in business, believe it or not. So I was working for a politician, and so was he. We were in the same office. We had a perfect opportunity in that this politician that we were working for was not going to run again. So we had been working there long enough that we had a nice, healthy, like, severance package. So it was like our perfect opportunity to jump off and start doing our own thing. What we did immediately was we rented a big warehouse. It was like a two-floor warehouse, so we had, like, offices on the top floor. And we did that for a while, But eventually, the the business outgrew the size of that warehouse, so the inventory just became too much. We were shopping, actually, for a bigger warehouse at that stage. It would have been a lot of overhead. The rent was pretty expensive. We were looking at places and business parks and this kind of thing. And our FedEx rep suggested that there was this third-party fulfillment warehouse that we should be dealing with. And this was like pretty much a new concept at the time, these third-party fulfillment warehouse. Like, wow, we're not going to have to touch inventory. Are you kidding me? We toured this warehouse in my city. They still handle our inventory. They're our Canadian warehouse for the business now. So we toured their warehouse. We were really impressed with the, with the management team and, and the place. And this was like a big decision for us because it, it meant freedom, particularly in my situation. My business partner has family and kids. Because you guys were, were boxing these orders yourselves. We are doing it ourselves, yeah. It got to the point where it was... We would have had to hire full-time staff. I mean, my business partner was down there from morning to night, you know, packing boxes himself. Like, he's got, like, university degrees. So he's like, you know, I don't want to be packing boxes all day. This is ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, so away we went. We just made this. It was like this lifestyle decision. It could very well be that if we had made that decision at that time, there's a fork in the road. If we had made that decision to get the bigger warehouse, Hammock Universe could be a much bigger business today. I think it probably would be. But ultimately, it was a lifestyle decision that, you know, we wanted the freedom to. He wanted the freedom to travel to Florida for as long as he wanted and be able to work from the road. And I I wanted to start traveling. So the founder of Growth Ninja, Vincent Wynn, was on the TMBA podcast. So if you want to hear a story of how a successful apprenticeship parlayed itself into an even more successful productized service called Growth Ninja. Check out episode 294. This is an amazing service. And thanks, Vincent, for sponsoring the TMBA podcast. Let's talk a little bit about Growth Ninja. Growth Ninja is a proven Facebook ads service. They will handle your ads with audience targeting, all the while optimizing your campaigns on a daily basis. So if your business gets benefit out of Facebook ads, Growth Ninja will take care of all of those ads for you and tweak them on a daily basis. 
But the best part is there's no retainer fees. This is a really cool part of this service. You only pay for results, either on a fixed per lead basis or on a percentage of revenue for a direct sales campaign. No double dipping. You choose the way that you want to pay and pay only on performance. If that sounds like something that could change your business for the better, go ahead and take a look at growthninja.com. And don't forget to mention that you listen to the TMBA podcast. Now, Phil didn't jump on a plane immediately. His story is a bit different. He ran his business as a side project from North America for more than a decade before researching somewhere that might offer a lifestyle better suited to him, and specifically where he'd be around lots of other entrepreneurs. I headed up to Chiang Mai, didn't know anyone in Thailand, obviously didn't speak the language or anything like that. I remember like this real estate agent intercepting me on Facebook because I was asking questions publicly about where I should be staying. And she's recommended this dumpy place in one of the neighborhoods. And, and I just said, yeah, okay, for the first few days is fine. And I ended up staying there like six months. Right away, I could not believe, I mean, the cost of living, I guess, is one of the main reasons people head up there. And I, I really couldn't believe how cheap it was. I think this place was like, it was about $150, you know, US dollars per month, which was like for a place that size was just unheard of. I, I couldn't believe it. And yeah, everything got going from there. I started, slowly started meeting people. And that was basically my beginnings in Thailand. Let me just quote something that you said really quickly and then get your reaction to it. My personal reason for going this route at this stage in my life was that I value my time above all else. I want to spend the maximum amount of time doing things that I enjoy the most. Is that how it worked out for you when you stepped foot in Thailand? Is that why you were so interested in the low cost? Because you could afford homes and cars and travel. So why the low cost? Why was that fascinating to you given your business success? That's a great question. And ultimately, I'll say the low cost is a bonus, but it wasn't my main reason for choosing to stay in Chiang Mai. And it wasn't my main reason for choosing Thailand. I wanted something that was a little different, a little exotic. I'd been to Latin America before. I'd been to Europe. I'd never been to Asia. The main thrust for me was that the culture was different. It sort of was that adventure I was seeking. So the low cost of living was not the main motivating factor. Chiang Mai has a reputation, I think, in the entrepreneurial community as attracting a higher percentage of people who are not serious or who aren't successful entrepreneurs. And I remember being introduced to you, like someone like holding my hand and like pulling me directly up to you and saying, look at this guy. His name is Phil and he's successful and he's serious and he lives in Chiang Mai. So talk to him. What's your view of this as an insider, this whole perspective about Chiang Mai, that it attracts people that may not be so serious about their business? I value my time quite a lot. So you, you eventually associate with the people you essentially, for lack of a better word, find valuable. And there is a group there in Chiang Mai of people that are successful at business, very intelligent, excellent people, honest people, and doing very well. The people I've associated with in, in Chiang Mai have built my business. In, in a way, I've built theirs as well. Like the amount of networking and the, the ideas, exchanges, and once they're, they're people that you trust and they become your friends, and we've all sort of grown our businesses together. And you guys have time for each other. I think that's really fascinating. You guys, you like call each other up and you're like, hey, you want to sit down and talk over lunch or whatever. And that, it just happens a lot more fluidly in terms of spending time with each other. See, I'm a big believer. Like I, I like to have a home and I, I think you have a home as well, Dan. Like you have one place you call home. And I, I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't have a home. 
because we are like a group of people that call Chiang my home and we've become very good friends over the years and becoming very good friends where you trust each other and you exchange all these ideas and this information only happens over time. And by having a permanent home, it, it's really allowed me to connect with these great people. And we've we've all grown together and it's been, it's been sort of a fantastic journey. There are a lot of these meetups with 50 or 100 of these bloggers or whatever else. I, I Honestly, I don't go to many of those meetings. Although I run into these guys that a lot of others might consider not serious business people or not successful business people. And actually, I consider Chiang Mai a little bit of a breeding ground for sort of underperforming, extremely intelligent people that have tons of potential. For those who need help with their business, who need team members and, and so on, in, in my opinion, it's a very fertile ground with people that sort of aren't doing very well financially, but have a hell of a lot of intelligence and, and potential. It certainly helped us out. With Hammock Universe, we have an awesome team member who I met in Chiang Mai, and he's been integral to the business for the last couple of years. What do you love about living in Chiang Mai? Nature. A lot of guys are into nightlife and big cities, and me, I'm personally speaking, what I enjoy is getting out there, you know, taking a mountain drive on the weekend. And in Chiang Mai, for those who don't know, the mountains are right there. Dan, you know this very well as you're uh, cycling a lot of these places. But the mountains are, are right there. It's like literally a five to ten minute motorbike drive, and you're in these beautiful jungleish mountains where the climate, as, as you climb, the climate drops and the views are stunning, and there's, there's you know, the flowers and all the trees. And, and so it's really easy to get away. It's not yet a very big city that's, that's completely choked and in, in, in that you can't get away from. There are options for camping. You can get out there, do some camping. You could do some fishing. I do a lot of hiking over there with a friend of mine. So it just feels very livable. When you're in the city, you've got everything that you'd possibly want in the city. You've got a fantastic movie cinema. Any food that you could possibly want is there. You know, if you want Mexican food, you've got those restaurants are available, all these great sushi restaurants. So you've got everything that a city, that you'd love about a city, but you're five minutes away from pristine nature. What are the things that people object to? Like, have you ever tried to sell Chiang Mai to one of your friends and they kind of come there and they're like, ah, it hits them differently than it hit you? I have to say no. I have to say so far, a lot of people have come to Chiang Mai that I know and, and it's the contrary. They they love it so much that almost to a T, they want to move there. <laughs> I'm dead serious. They want to quit their jobs, you know, start an FBA business, <laughs> do what we do and, and move to Chiang Mai once they see what the life is like there. And so FBA business, for those who don't know, maybe you could describe that situation. Yeah, it's a, f- a fulfilled by Amazon is the term. So it's essentially an Amazon business selling products on Amazon. It might be like if you started your hammock business today instead of 10 years ago, it might have been an FBA business, right? You got it. Absolutely. That's what is really trending right now. And it seems to be the best thing. And the lowest barrier to entry in terms of e-commerce success seems to be going directly to Amazon right now. I spent a lot of time in Chiang Mai, like before I just visited for a few days and I didn't have enough time to see the countryside which is really the, like you pointed out, is outstanding. And I think from afar, you might say, oh, there's a lot of people interested in getting an online business. It's some, some kind of a horrible thing. But on the ground, when you meet these people, I was so shocked at like the talent level and the interest level. It's inspiring to be around young people who want to do something with their lives. I totally agree. It's, it's fantastic. And I think it's, it's a positive thing. Like you've got some people that are really negative on the aspect of having all these bootstrappers in Chiang Mai. 
But can you really blame anyone for wanting to go where there's a very low cost of living, starting a business, you know, struggling for a year or two, but, but hustling? I don't blame them. I would do the same thing. Now, Phil, the real reason I called you today is because you've done something unique in terms of Thai visas. And I think in the expat world, the phrase Thai visa sends shivers down the spine because it's it's this like Rubik's cube that people have been trying to figure out because of course Thailand is such a, a lovely place and people want to stay there longer than the tourist visa. So how do you, would you say that you've seen people deal with the visa, generally speaking, in the digital nomad community or the entrepreneurial community? Very hellishly. <laughs> it's not any easier for people living in Chiang Mai than people, you know, just, just jumping in and out. It's there are things you can do. I mean, the education visa, okay, you can you can keep it running for one year, two years, but there's always that thought in the back of your head. Maybe at year three, you are going to get questioned on, you know, why you do not yet speak proper Thai or why you need three years of education. It's, they're not visas that are meant for you to be living full-time in Thailand, whereas the visa that I got is actually meant and it is expected that you will be living in Thailand full-time and you will not be questioned for it. So what is the name of the visa you've received? What most people call it, what I call it, is the Thai Elite Visa. So it's, it's like a visa that was conceived to attract high net worth business people to Thailand. It essentially gives you, they call it privileged access. So what you can do on this visa is essentially stay in the country for five years. It's a five-year visa. And the big advantage, this is by far and away the most valuable part of the visa, is it allows you to stay to stay in without having to leave the country and re-enter the country every few months. What do you need to do in order to qualify for the Thai elite visa? You need to have money in your bank account. How much? You need to pay for it. And that's about it. As long as you're not a criminal, they do run a criminal background check. So the cost is, so you can, there were two prices that they quoted me. One was in Thai baht and one was in US dollars. So if you pay in US dollars as opposed to Thai baht, it's actually much cheaper. It's like a thousand bucks cheaper. Today's rates would be about $14,000. So this visa gives you access to Thailand full-time. That means no dreaded visa runs. Is that accurate? That's accurate. Can you obtain this visa from abroad? I did. Yeah, so the answer is yes. I was uh, chilling out learning to surf in San Diego when, when I initialized this whole process. And I, I sent them emails. And at the beginning, I think they wanted to do everything by mail. And I said, hey, I'm here. You know, I can't really give you my passport. I'm not in Bangkok. And I, I'm not going to be sending my passport by mail. So they accepted a scanned copy of all of the documents. And we did it all by scanned copies and emails. And the whole process from like A to Z took two weeks. And you describe a feeling of certainty, which is... You know, one of the downsides to living in many Asian countries is that feeling of kind of existential dread, like I can get booted at any time. And you've described a bit that you feel like you guys on the Thai Elite Visa, you don't feel like that anymore. That's another big one is the, the, the new mental space that that places you in. It's you, you're very much a welcome resident of the country with this visa. I had a, some business visas before this one. And every time I would line up, you know, there was always in the back of my mind this possibility that they would not let me into the country for whatever reason. And on a few occasions when I came in, you know, there was, there was some, some pretty severe questioning on, on what the hell am I doing in Thailand. Yeah, this visa has taken that worry completely away from my head. You know, the headspace is free. 
I feel good now getting into that really fast airport lineup that there's, you know, that's one of the benefits as well. You just, they, they run you through the airport really quickly. And I know that nothing's going to happen. I'm, Thailand is my home and it doubly feels like my home now. What are those like kind of fringe benefits that they're offering for the Thai Elite Visa? Yeah, so 24 times a year, you can get a ride. As long as it's an international flight, you can get a ride to and from the airport. They call it a limo, but they, for some reason in Thailand, they call limo service, and it's just like a nice car service. So if you're expecting a real limousine, no, although it's, it is a BMW that's, that's there most times, it's, it's not a real limo, but it's, it's, it's nice to have that ride. The other benefit is somebody kind of greets you. There's like a, a Thai elite staff greet you at the airport. And they essentially escort you through the airport. So they escort you through immigration. So the immigration officer sees you're like a Thai elite member and the staff is with you. And you just, it, it's, it's all extremely quick and there are never any problems. The Thai elite staff make themselves available as well. Like we're in a foreign country with a foreign language. So oftentimes they're going to be, have to deal with government bureaucracy. And they've been mildly helpful those times that I've needed something that I did not know how to do. I'll, I'll shoot them an email and they'll at least refer me to an organization that up in Chiang Mai that can help me. So not only is it a visa, but it's a bit of a membership, it sounds like. You get some ancillary benefits there. Yeah, a bit of a membership and a bit of a sort of concierge service. You know, if you've got questions at any time of day, they're there to help. Now, if you have a significant other or kids... Does this visa status extend to them or do you have to pay the fee for every person in your family? So this didn't exist when I bought it, but they have them now. They have the family ones. They have a family a privilege card. How much it costs and what the rules are, I'm not sure. But I do know they, have, they do have a family package now. Have you seen the adoption of this kind of spread around you? Have you seen a lot of people going and getting this visa? So in my close circles in Chiang Mai, I have one good friend that was very close to pulling the trigger, but he didn't. I have one very good friend that did pull the trigger. He has a spouse as well, so he, he got a different one. I mean, that's about it. I haven't noticed an explosion in people rushing out to get this visa in any way. I think part of the problem is most people don't see themselves living in one place for very long, whereas I'm very comfortable in Thailand, and I'm very comfortable to say, hey, I don't mind this being my home for the next five or six years or whatever, but most people are, are jumping around so much that they might not want to invest that kind of money for in, in not being certain that they're going to be in the Thailand for that long. I think that that's one of the biggest surprises for me. After having looked at the global situation, particularly the situation in Thailand and hearing all the frustration and people dedicate their whole lives to like solving this problem. And now all of a sudden it's like 15 grand and it all goes away. It's $3,000 a year, which pales in comparison to if you have any kind of business going on, the problem solving time you're going to spend just booking your travel around your visa arrangements. I'm so surprised that this hasn't been spreading like wildfire. It's $15,000 to move to Thailand full-time for five years, everybody. That's what I mean. Well, 14000 and it's even six years, so you can time it. You know, you could get an extra year out of it if you just show up right before the expiry date on the last year. And it works out to like $2,333 per year or something around that. And if you make the calculation of, you know, flying back, I would have to fly back to my home country to get the, the tourist visas every year. That's like, you know, $1,500 right there. And the time you waste, just cash-wise, it's almost revenue neutral. But then you factor in the time that you waste. And it, to me, it just it was a no-brainer. You said there were some misconceptions about Thailand that you've learned to be untrue. 
can you think of a few of those things that you guys have challenged the conventional wisdom about what Thailand's all about? The concept of Thailand is you're an overweight, retired sex hound that goes there and, and like just will slobber on, on a bar stool and sort of waste your life away. And you're, you're there to meet these pretty girls because you, you're not able to be successful in your own country and you really become somebody in Thailand. <laughs> like that's still, <laughs> that's still a thought that some people have and it couldn't be further from the truth. Although those guys do exist. Generally, what people I associate with, what I see in, in Chiang Mai is really young, dynamic people, the very vibrant, obviously vibrant business community, good infrastructure, a place that can really feel like home. You've got the shopping malls and all the infrastructure you could possibly want. I'm as comfortable there as I am in Canada. And then you've got the added benefit of being somewhere that still feels, you know, just exotic enough. You're in a different culture. You still kind of have that feeling that you're on a constant adventure because things are still different. It's the best of all worlds as far as I'm concerned. Next up, Dan, we will hear from Leanne Woodmass, who, like Phil, is a member of the DC, the Dynamite Circle, our community. Yeah, and that's how I met both of them, actually. It was Phil who posted a giant thread about getting the Thai elite visa that first kind of grabbed my attention. I ended up playing some poker with the guy. That's what ended up happening after that. <laughs> As it does sometimes. <laughs> I don't think it went well for me. Now, our next guest, as you mentioned, is Leanne Woodmass, who I also hung out with and played poker with when I was in Chiang Mai at the end of last year. And I really enjoyed speaking with her about the lifestyle that she's enjoyed there. So over the past few years, Leanne has spent around half of the year in Thailand and, and travels for the rest. And when I caught up with her for this interview, she and her business partner and husband were currently in Prague. Together, Leanne and Corin run a really interesting business, which is an FBA brokerage. So that's a fulfillment by Amazon brokerage. Actually, I talked a little bit about that with Phil a bit earlier. To me, it's fascinating that people like Leanne have seen that investors are now seeking opportunities in this space and have taken advantage of that. There is a lot of equity buyers coming in now because People have figured out how to systemize this type of business and it makes it really good for funds and investors because they can have management set in place or a customer service set up. Amazon do all of your logistics and your fulfillment and it essentially, once it's built and it has its rankings and its regular customers, it should just continue to move along that path with a little bit of help. So it's becoming really interesting to those kind of other investors that didn't know what this online space was. I recommend subscribing to Leanne and Corin's email newsletter. You can see the opt-in at fbabusinesspriceguide.com. I'm subscribed to that, Ian, and it's just for me, it's fascinating just to sort of see this new style of business that's absolutely massive in terms of the opportunity potential, just to see what that marketplace looks like. I am uh, also subscribed and it's just one of these nice things for me, you know, maybe I'd buy something, maybe I just eat popcorn and look at it every day. Keep your ear to the ground kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool to see other people's hard work coming through. You know? <laughs> but let's roll back to the beginning of Leanne's story and the first step she took that would eventually take her and her husband to the beautiful lush mountains of Northern Thailand. So we had gotten cheap flights to Kota Kinabalu in Malaysia, and off we went. Turns out that Kota Kinabalu you can see in two days, 
we got bored there. We didn't know what to do. We had some really horrendous hotel experiences. And as Australians, all we knew was to have fun, you go to Thailand. So we booked a flight at the airport. We returned our hire car and we just like flew like within two hours to Thailand and we turned up. And it was exactly like we had seen in the movies and the TV shows. And it was these golden beaches. It was these really friendly people, amazing food. Everyone spoke English and it was just really easy compared to Malaysia. So how did you guys find your way to Chiang Mai then? So we had been in Europe for the summer and we knew that we wanted to start heading back towards Chiang Mai because we were lonely on the road. We knew about the dynamite circle, but we were always told don't apply until you have a real business and you're making money. So we hesitated to join and we turned up right after DCBKK and we knew everybody just went to Chiang Mai afterwards because at this time we were actually members of the community and we knew that annual migration would happen. So we decided to just turn up the day after DCBKK in Chiang Mai and it was Rob Hanley's birthday actually and Small House was filled with 100 DCers. And What's Small House? Like describe that, that scene. Small house is feels like someone's backyard, but it's a bar, but it's just really chill. It's just tables and chairs out on like a patio. There's someone just playing some hip hop music or some kind of tracks from YouTube and everyone's just having a good time playing pool, drinking a few beers, just hanging out like it's your mate's place, essentially. In Chiang Mai, there's a good mix of men and women, which you don't get everywhere. And luckily enough, some of the girls took me straight under their wing and they're like, come over here and you sit with us and we're going to chat for hours. And, you know, all of a sudden you haven't seen your husband in hours and you're still having a good time. And, you know, and then you come home at the end of the night and you talk to each other and who did you meet and who did you speak to? And, you know, what kind of people did you interact with? And you realize, like, we had an amazing night just within that one night. We knew that it was definitely a place that we were going to stay for a while. What's your guess as to why it's attracted so many people? Because there are a lot of places that are easy to live, I suppose. I mean, why why Chiang Mai? Why is there such a scene there? I ask myself this all the time because the first trip we went, we liked the people, but we didn't like the place. And I couldn't understand why everybody was there. And, you know, there wasn't a great beach and we were in Thailand. So, like, why would you be here? But then I guess... I started to see that the choices of food were amazing and you could eat really cheaply and live really well on very little money. And I think that's the first thing that attracts people there when they think about first growing their business and bootstrapping. Accommodation is really abundant. So you generally can have your choice of lifestyle of how you want to live. And I think for that reason, it attracts a bunch of different people because you can get a place for $200 a month or you can find a place for $1,000 a month. And after a while, I think you just either love it or hate it. So you either get into the groove of the place and you enjoy the slower paced life up there or you miss the hustle and bustle of a really big city like Bangkok or Saigon and then you just move on. What in your view are the downsides then? of Chiang Mai? One of the things I guess about Chiang Mai is definitely the time zone, especially when you're dealing with the US kind of time zone. It becomes really difficult to manage a good work schedule. Early morning calls or late night calls is definitely a big one. For me personally, I really, I mean, I'm comfortable riding a scooter and I don't mind getting around that way, but I also enjoy planning trips away and 
being able to jump on a train or a bus or some kind of general public transport using Google Maps and using all my apps and just like disappearing and it's easy. And I find that can be really difficult there as well. So there's only a few kind of main touristy things that are super easy to do and anything outside that scope becomes a lot harder to try and create these experiences and for me having experienced the other side of that where you get the European summers and it's amazing and I can find just as good food and really easy transport means for myself and plan all these great amazing trips and I really enjoy that and I do miss that in Thailand. I think one of the fascinating things about Chiang Mai for me is that it's becomes a place that everybody has an idea about you know on the internet who's there why they're there do you feel like there's some popular misconceptions about what it's actually like living in Chiang Mai? Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people before they come don't realize how clicky it is in Chiang Mai. And if you're only passing through for a month or six weeks, the long-term guys, they, they don't want to know you. They don't have generally the time of day to get to know a new friend, which I can understand because why always invest in your relationships when people leave? I think we were lucky when we turned up when we did to have built those relationships and yearly come back to water them, I guess, and make sure that they continue to grow. But yeah, one of the big things is, is I can turn up to Chiang Mai and I'm going to find all of these people that I'm going to relate to. And the matter of the fact is, there's such a big amount of people there that actually it's really tiny groups all over the place. And I think you really have to work a bit harder than you think to find your click. What separates the people that end up staying long term versus the ones that are in and out? I definitely think that having a partner has something to do with it. There seems to be a lot more people there that are in relationships. I definitely feel like the single people seem to pass through a bit more. But in saying that, I know plenty of couples too that move around as well. And they seem to come and go for the business reasons, I think. When times get tough and as business does, you know, profits go up and things go down, you're looking for the next place where you can baseline yourself and Chiang Mai is just an easy one to go back to. But as your business develops and grows, it's definitely easier to then start thinking about the next step up in a location that might be a better fit for the way you want to live. There's this perception on the outside that I think that Chiang Mai has less serious business people there. Do you think that's a fair characterization? Not at all, actually. When you start to get to know the people that have chosen to live there, you start to realize that they have some pretty serious businesses. So that's definitely a misconception. I think that everybody's just a coconut cowboy there and no one's actually making any real money. I think it's maybe those people there that have actually done really well for themselves are so busy hustling that they're not at the Zoe's on Yellow or they're not down at the Rasta bar having drinks and cocktails because they're just normal people just living in a place and they're not in this party scene that I think some of the younger guys use as an outlet when they first get going that they can enjoy this party lifestyle on the side while they're maybe working during the day. I noticed it's one of the things that I'm in New York City now. And I realize, like, you know, we talk often about like going to a place like Thailand and baselining, like saving money. But actually, what happens is you like get a better value for the same amount of money. I think a lot of people end up spending the same amount of money. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Like the Thailand math on things? Like you just get a good lifestyle for your money. You definitely do. But for us in particular, I've noticed that here in Prague, we generally spend less money than we do when we're in Chiang Mai. Why is that? Because Chiang Mai has this everything's so cheap, buy whatever I want, do whatever I want, eat whatever I want, have five massages a week. Fly wherever I want. Yeah. When you start to add all that up, actually, 
compared to the way we might live in Europe, which I'm not saying is always exactly the same, it can be somewhat within $100 a month in our budget. A big thing in Thailand is alcohol is actually quite high. So the minute you want to have a nice glass of wine or a few beers with dinner, it's really expensive. First in Europe, you know, a beer is often less than a buck and you can have a couple of glasses of wine or a beer with dinner and it's really generally not more than the food. Are there any group of people that if they were asking you for business advice or lifestyle advice that you would say, you know what, I think it would be really great if you moved to Chiang Mai for six months or a year. Is there a group of people that you think that that's really relevant advice to? I think you have to find where the kind of people are that you want to be around. So for us, when we last decided to go back to Chiang Mai, it was because there were a lot of FBA sellers there. And for the brokerage business and wanting to actually associate with other FBA sellers and have these in-person conversations, it was definitely a great place for us to be. And there's a good mix of lower level people as well as the higher level entrepreneurs there in this field. But I don't think there are all the different types of businesses running from Chiang Mai. So I think you need to make a conscious effort to actually look where the like-minded people are for you and find if they're there. Very interesting. Quick thing about the lifestyle. Looking back, when you made the transition to quit your job, even though you were getting paid, what was your level of fear and confidence about making the transition? Uh, Man, tons of fear. I had essentially all these requirements that we had to achieve or we weren't going to leave Australia. And one of them was 12 months worth of savings based on a budget that I thought that we could live off to make sure that we had a good chance to at least enjoy a 12-month gap year if that's all it was going to be. If we can't get something going in six or nine months, then maybe that's our punishment to go back home and get another job. (laughs) And you managed to make it work. If you could go back to Leanne Ala four years ago, what would be your counsel to her? Maybe we would have been a bit more savvy with our business sooner because we definitely were a little bit like follow the trends and follow what everyone else is doing. And you definitely need to find your own way and figure out what your skills are best used at in this new online world of freelancing or consulting or building a business to actually replace that income with something that makes you happy and pays the bills. I don't have anything to add to this. That, my friend, is just the way you wrap up an episode in life right there. We have found happiness. Imagine if we sent a podcastogram back 20 years to ourselves and to the audience saying that this stuff is possible. It would blow your melon. It would blow my melon. It absolutely would. (laughs) And now that you can stay in Thailand, that was a big obstacle for a long time. It was a thing. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see governments recognizing this opportunity that is this community we talked about it earlier with estonia with georgia spain has a few programs portugal and now thailand is embracing the location independent entrepreneurship community super super cool we'd love to hear your thoughts do you love thailand do you hate it do you enjoy visiting what's your opinion about thailand or this episode we're going to post all the show notes at tropicalmba.com/liveinthailand And as always, we're going to be back next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. See you then, boss man. All right. Bye. 
Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.